Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to this week's episode of Can I Kick It FC. I'm your host, as always, Elliot Barr. And this week, we're supposed to be bringing an episode from the past about the marketing of kids and how does that affect the Black community. But with the events that happened on Twitter um, about gatekeeping within soccer and the conversation and the impact that is having within the Black community, uh, we felt the need to have that episode be highlighted forefront and center. So on this week's podcast, you're going to hear me talk to uh, Jake, uh, 50 Plus Darn, you probably know them, they've been on the show before, and also the Black Fires FC, and also Jessica Stitz. Um, she is um, a supporter of Footy Mob down in Atlanta. So with that being said, I'm going to stop talking. You're about to transition in here past me, talking to Jake and Jess about this issue. Also, just take a moment to like, share, and subscribe. Share with a friend. Um, it helps us grow. And hope you guys enjoy the podcast. All right. Bye. Joining me on the show is Jake. Jake, I actually don't know your last name. Maybe I should say. I is it something to say on here? <laughs> I guess P A Y N E Pain. Oh, there we go. I don't know why I never do that. Jordan I feel like you've made a major pain joke at my expense once. I might have. <laughs> I probably never paid any attention to, to it. <laughs> Probably did. All right. Um, but joining me on the show is Jake Payne. Jake, um, I brought you on the show to really just talk about um, supporter groups and gatekeeping. Like, what are your first initial thoughts of it when I say the term gatekeeping? Uh, it's so rampant in soccer. Um, and not even in one single place. I think it's just literally everywhere. Yeah. Um, there's more, and I think it's, it's one of those things where I feel like it's the same as, and this is going to sound really off the wall, but it's really like racism in that people don't know they're doing it. They just know the extreme cases of it. So in thinking of those extreme cases, they don't think that they're gatekeeping at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's almost as if like you don't see yourself doing it but in actuality, you are doing the thing that you're right. Saying. Like I'm not getting in a Twitter argument with someone telling them not to come to games. I'm not gatekeeping at all then. But really, I mean, there's small ways that people can do it um, yeah. that add to it. So yeah, true, true, true. Um, let me let me ask you this: Like, what are some of those minuscule ways of of how they do gatekeeping within soccer? Is it something as simple as like you said, tweeting? telling someone not to come to games or is it kind of just like having memberships uh, set up to be a part of a supporter group? Like what are the negative effects of gatekeeping? Yeah. It's such a, I think the membership part you bring up is a good point, but it's also kind of like, I feel like that's kind of a, a hazy way. Um, Cause memberships at the end of the day do help people in certain situations, but it does, you're right. Like add to a certain aura of gatekeeping um, I think also, like, my wife, when she was going to games with me, she'd be like, no one really would talk to me, even though I'm very clearly with you. They would just, like, not really know that I exist. And I think that's probably the 
biggest form of gatekeeping that people probably don't even know that they're doing is just kind of ignoring a new fan just because you're not sure how to talk to them about anything other than soccer. You know what I mean? Because if you're a new fan getting into soccer, you don't know anything to begin with. So how are you going to be able to relate to other people? Like you're kind of pushing someone out because at the end of the day, I think gatekeeping comes down to feeling comfortable at a game. Anything that you're doing that a new fan or even someone who'd been a fan for a while feels like they're not comfortable being around the supporter culture I, I view that as gatekeeping, and that may be wrong, but, I mean, that's just how, how it comes off to me. Yeah, no, no, I totally get that because it actually, let me ask you this, like, we think about gatekeeping in a way of we're trying to protect something. We're trying mm-hmm. to, like, keep the ecosystem of what we have, you know, guarded. It kind of goes into that tribalism of soccer. Like, why is that? Like, why is it a thing of a supporter group of where, you know, we come, we want people to think we're exclusive and we are invited to everyone, but we're building up barriers and walls to say, like, hey, you can't join or you can't join. Yeah. I, and like I said, I don't think it's outright sometimes people saying you can't join. I think it's insinuating that someone's not comfortable to join in the mm-hmm. first place. And I think people do that because really like i think there's two camps of it right there's fans have been around forever they feel like they built this thing and they want they want it to continue in the way they want it to continue i think it's one of the dumbest things of all time to to have that attitude but people have that attitude and you do see new fans gatekeeping too because they're kind of like i mean it's petty and i but i do see it they're people that are the new kids on the block and they want to keep that freshness they will they have an idea of the direction that they see sg culture going um and they don't want people in the way of that so i think at the end of the day just like even hearing this these things out loud it's so dumb man like <laughs> it's so stupid but it's so prevalent and i i'm sure you've even seen it where you're at yeah yeah i've seen it and I want to ask you this as someone that's, you know, obviously went on to build a supporters group and obviously bought fans in that supports a European club, which is you ask anyone that runs a supporters group, that's probably like the hardest thing to do is to bring those fans in and grabs their attention. Um, What are, how do you overcome that gatekeeping? And I'm not saying you gatekeep, but just saying it's essence of how do you know that someone is gatekeeping? How do you overcome it? to still have it be a positive experience for the person that or group that you're bringing to the game? Um, I think I, if we're being specific, obviously about when I brought comb fans to Chicago, um, I think, you know, it's going to happen and you just have to not care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, did I know like I think I think I did try to plan around this in that like oh I was telling everyone there like let's just sing our comb songs like before the game, halftime, after the game. That way no one can tell us say that we're like trying to overtake the atmosphere or something with our European club, right? Um and you just have to I think when you're bringing people 
you just have to introduce them to people you know like like are going to be accepting of them you basically just have to maneuver around the gatekeeping as much as possible and i mean it's kind of impossible like the internet exists um i think when you're in something where there's like very blatantly new fans there and you're like we were like out like we very probably stuck out a lot um it's just bound to happen and it's really annoying that you even have to consider those things and like warp the experience someone's going to have at a game because of some dumbass on Twitter. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I imagine so because it's just like it's not like you're this opposing supporters group where you're looking to bring trouble. You're literally just saying, like, hey, there's a player that I really like. I know there's a group of people that really like this player. I'm bringing it to the game. And it's, it's weird and hard at the same time to hear you say, like, you have to choreograph when you do your chants and songs to seem as if, like, hey, we're not overtaking you. I actually do agree. Like, I think there is part of me that's like, okay, like, FC Combs not playing in this game. Like, it doesn't make sense for us to chant FC Combs fans to chant during the game. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, there's nothing happening at halftime before the game. There's, like, people are filing in after a game. We've already not won. So, like, what is there? You know what I mean? Um, I do agree with that part, but I think like the whole thing about gatekeeping is people don't want that at all. They want you to just have fire stuff already or have like no fire players already, but like the ones that we like, like I think that's the frustrating part about it is when there when there is that interaction between you and the gatekeeper, like you're supposed to have done all this stuff that people I mean People, I'm sorry, people just don't really give a shit about the fire here. Like, they have to get into the team some type of way, right? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, that makes total sense because it's just like you want people to enjoy and embrace the game, but you, I I don't understand the purpose of making it a thing where, oh, you have to do it the way how I do it. Right. Like, you see all the time people are like, well, I paid all these dues. Like, I've been a scene ticket over for 10 years. Like, I painted all these banners. Like, what the other person hasn't. Like, yeah, they just found out about a team just fucking now. Like, you don't know <laughs> about someone's story and in getting into this team. Like, I got I got into the team, like, not that long ago. It was, like, what, four years now? Like, I just didn't know the team existed until four years ago. And, like, to hold that over someone's head and, like, have them be kind of like, oh, you have to start from the bottom. Like, no, bitch. Like, we're just trying to watch soccer at the end of the day. We're trying to find commonalities. Like, I mean, if the fire signed, like, a Chelsea player, like, of course, the Chelsea fans would, like, want to come see this player that they probably mm-hmm. haven't seen in person. Like, it, it's, it doesn't make sense this, like, hazing atmosphere of like oh you have to do all these things to find enjoyment in this thing that i don't find enjoyment in it just is really annoying so yeah um i'm gonna ask you this question this might be the final one but how do we build an environment in which we can negate gatekeeping not obviously like burning it down because that's not gonna work but how do we build an environment that turns the dial and make it 180 to a positive note I think that's the haunting thing is that you kind of can't. I don't think there really is a way to negate it because at the end of the day, really like in thinking about like us having to deal with gatekeeping, it all is how the new fan takes what's happening. Right. 
Like we can't really tell the new fan, oh, that's gatekeeping to ignore that. Like if they take it personally, that's just someone who isn't coming back. Like it sucks. And that's not really our fault. That's the gatekeeper's fault. So um, it's really on gatekeepers to just realize that like, it's not all about you. We get it. You, you made all these banners. You started all these chants. You've been to this many away games. That's fucking great. I will put a gold star on your chart if that's really what you need. But at the end of the day, there that doesn't like p- other people are entering this journey with us. MLS and soccer in the U.S. really like is still brand new. So of course, people are just going to come in and have a different experience than you. You need to be the one to just shut up and let it happen. Like shut up and let people enjoy the game. Mm. And like I think they need to realize that there is no way around this for the person who's being gatekeep. Like they, it's really how it's on them, how they take it. And you're putting that onus on them. And that's totally unfair. So yeah. it's definitely unfair about these gatekeepers. Um, do you find, do you find themselves centering themselves in the middle of the conversation because they feel like they're being pushed out and almost like left out in a way? I, I think so. Um, like I said, like when you spend a long time on something, uh, people tend to like want it to be, want the future to go the way they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's stupid because the future, I mean, it's such a young sport and people just find their ways of getting into this game. Like the, it's just not going to be the same experience that you had being a fan. And really, like, you should be excited that more people are joining. Like, these days of, like, as I'm speaking strictly from fire, but, like, these days of, like, 50 people in the supporters' end on a Saturday night, like, I, nobody would want that. So your cost of, of, like, more people getting involved in the team, like, sharing their experiences, bringing their cultures to the game, bringing their, their passion and their love, your cost of that is giving up this vision that you had 10 years ago when you were a fan. Like you just have to give it up. Yeah. Yeah. Very sure. Um, that's about it, man. I'm going to stop the record. Hey, this is Elliot. Sorry to interrupt the pod that you're enjoying right now. Promise. We'll get back to it as quick as possible, but I just want to say thank you guys for taking the time for listening to this episode. If you want to support us further, you can do so by following us on Instagram at can I kick it FC and on Twitter C I K I F C. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at can I kick it FC and also on Twitter at C I K I F C. Thanks. I'll see you guys later. Joining me on the show right now is Miss Jessica Stitz. Did I say your last name right? You did. You actually got it right on the first go. I'm very proud of you. Yes. Ah, there we go. All right. So we got Miss Jessica Stitz on the show. Um, and Jess, real quick, if you don't mind telling people, like, what do you do specifically within soccer? Like, are you a supporter? Are you a capo? Like, what do you do? I am a supporter and uh, want to be capo in my dreams. Um, I'm part of Footy Mob here in Atlanta United, and I also am part of a foursome who lead uh, the Footy Mob Sister Circle. Oh. And 
what I do specifically within that group is I look for uh, philanthropic things to do and community outreach. Um, and we can get into details about what the sister circle is, but that's what I do. Um, as far as the regular supporters group, I'm always there with a random bottle of something during the tailgates. And I bring the laughs, bring the bad girl dancing, not bad girl dancing, bad dance moves. Um, and I also consistently do tailgate setup. Um, mm -hmm. It's a good time. I recommend it for everybody. Word, word, word. So when I brought up the topic in the chat before the culture chat about um, hitting Jacob about doing an episode of gatekeeping, you seem all ready for it. Why is that? Well, I think it's because of just who I am and how I personally live my life. Um, I don't know if you've ever kept up with all the like, conversations that we have in there. I may not be like the world's best female expert on sports. I don't want that title ever in my life. Um, but I do participate. I participate in a lot of things where women, especially Black women, don't really exist in those spaces. And I have faced gatekeeping for as long as I can remember. So it's one of those things that I've kind of formed a very strong opinion about. So I'm always down to to knock on some doors and open if some you, gates. Yeah. If you don't mind me asking, like what what examples of gatekeeping have you existed? Because like you said, like the ecosystem of soccer in America here is kind of like white male, white woman, Latino, black man, then black women is all the way to the bottom. So what kind of examples have you went through within gatekeeping? Well, I am a big old, big old nerd, geek, whichever is the appropriate word nowadays. I don't know anymore. Otaku is probably more what I identify with when it comes to like nerd culture. I'm really big into anime, um, really big into comics. I've been playing video games since I was 10, 12 years old. Um, it wasn't until later when I got into like sci-fi movies, but I'm into that and kind of like old horror like, you know, I'm the weirdo who will sit down and just watch a horror movie and be like, oh, this is interesting, you know? So I don't want you to get scared. I watch it to, like, look at the macabre, you know? But um, I've had those experiences where I get shut out of conversations or shut out of narratives. And even before I decided to really throw myself more into sports in my late 20s, it was always men, white men, and then Black men going, oh, well, you like this? Well, then tell me who wrote it. Tell me what happened on episode 42. Oh, you think you know Batman? Tell me who he fought here and there. And it's like, wow, you guys just suck. So those are spaces that I've occupied uh, since, you know, adolescence. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to ask you this as well about those gatekeeping examples, because there's a literal plethora of examples of that of where people have been shut out just because of the gender or race. You being down in Atlanta, and I can speak as a black guy that's, you know, also in the South, it's kind of like looking at Atlanta as a soccer scene and being like, yo, that's the Mecca. Like, that's that's the place where I feel like it's a safe space. Can you kind of speak about that? Like, how is it, how is Atlanta kind of cultivated in its own safe space? I will say it is and it isn't. Um, okay. You have to go looking, I personally feel like, and there is a right and a wrong place to look. Mm -hmm. um, social media will be the death of all of us, you know, but it is a clear sign of who we all are in our presence and kind of uh, what we're about. 
some of us, myself, our Instagrams are more tailored to show the most perfect side of us, but then our Facebook or maybe our Twitter is definitely more of a, a window into who we really are as individual people. And so I think, you know, has Atlanta cultivated that space? Yes and no, because a lot of your advertisements definitely are still white men, then white women, and then Latinos. And like, okay, but um, you're in Atlanta, which is like the number one black city in America. You can't sit here and not put us in those advertisements. And then when you do, like, we look great, but why is there just one person or two people? And it, it's a situation where I came from, I was OTP. I lived outside of 285, well outside of 285. And the advertising, advertising you see out there is completely different. Um, it's a, pretty much a 180 from what you would normally see in the city. And those are really big negatives. And then when you look at the supporters groups, not everybody has the same social media presence because not everybody feels the need to, to participate in that, which is fine. But the problem is, is when you're trying to get more people in mm -hmm. and you have no social media presence at all, or it's very limited and extremely tailored, it doesn't show any real creativity. It's almost like the front office created it. Um, which I'm not saying is the case with any of our supporters groups, but it looks very, you know, Manila, 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 Manila envelope, <laughs> Manila. It looks very, it looks very boring. And so you, you do have to kind of look and I will say Atlanta is definitely a little bit ahead of the curve when it comes to trying to tap into their minority population. I just don't think that they're there yet. I think a lot of the SGs though are, should be the ones to pick up to pick up that slack, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you this point: Why do you think those barriers it, within soccer, within supporter culture, are kind of put in place when it comes to having black black women or Latino women, you know, be a part of that culture and join in? Because soccer, soccer in America w was always geared towards and always promoted towards white bodies mm -hmm. and usually it was upper middle class white bodies um it's a completely different scenario here than what you face over in europe and in africa um you know it's accessible to everybody you have shoes you know air quotes shoes and air quotes ball and you can play soccer you know but here in america it's behind a paywall um, and I think that that's one of the biggest reasons why these, why American soccer is able to gatekeep. And it's because white men and white women are at the forefront as far as their yeah. base advertising and base where they want to start. So if I'm hearing this from you correctly, there seems to be more than just the social, the social standards of gatekeeping. There's also financial and monetary gatekeeping as well. What absolutely. Within the world of soccer, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to ask your opinion on it. Opinion on it. What does those barriers, financial gatekeeping, how does that deter um, people of color from enjoying the game that they, they want to see and play? 
I mean, we all have our friends, our relatives, even our own personal stories about, you know, our parents having to make sacrifices. Um, and that's ex explicitly, not explicitly, but it's definitely more seen in communities of color. Um, the poverty line exists. Black people and people of color exist below the poverty line, within the poverty line, a lot more than their white or Asian counterparts, not all of them, but a, a good portion of them. And it's one of those things kind of growing up where, you know, in middle school, you know, your person sitting next to you went to Abercrombie and you went to Kmart to get your clothes. It, it, it's a, a, an actual thing and it, it shuts so many kids out. And do we say, you know, football or basketball is more accessible to, to a certain extent it is. Um, growing up in the suburbs, it definitely seemed like those were were played in completely different environments. And even inner city, it seems like it's played in completely different environments. And I'm only new to the city. Um, I do a lot of work with um, Soccer in the Streets, which um, gives opportunity to disenfranchised kids as well as immigrant kids, uh, refugee kids, to, to play soccer in an inner city environment um, for little to no money, if any money is actually even involved. And it's one of those things that a lot of sports shut out brown bodies and it is an economic thing. And it's also for, you know, baseball. Baseball has a huge, huge issue right now. And baseball is upper middle class, upper class type of sport, tennis. Um, all of these, all of these things, you know, you don't see a rugby team on every school. You see that with private institutions. You don't see that everywhere. And it's slowly starting to become that way, if not already, for, for soccer. Um, when I was growing up, soccer was on TV and it was white bodies that I saw running across the, the field. Okay, cool. I go to school and there's white bodies playing it. It's not marketed. It's not shown to brown kids. It's not shown to brown families. And, it, and then it, the lack of interest, even though it's not our own lack of interest, it gets priced out of our, our range. It's a it's something that feeds off of itself. Yeah. Anything I just said makes sense. <laughs> no, no, it definitely does. It seems as if it's like a system. It's kind of like that, um, like the recycling symbol. Yeah. Like, we pay money <laughs> for it. We do it. We fail. We pay money. We do it. We fail. It's kind of like this revolving door that never gets solved. Yes, um, and a borrower, something like that. Yeah, snake was eating its tail, and a borrower, whatever. I had a speech impediment as a kid. I can't say something. Oh, I want to ask you this: for people that are listening to this right now, how would you advise them on breaking down those barriers of gatekeeping and not just being accepting? Because we want to get past just like blanket gestures of acceptance, how do they go about being intentional in their words and in their actions of breaking down those barriers of gatekeeping and being a safe space for blacks, black faces and people of color? So are you asking how do people rephrase your question slash ask it again for me? Because I'm hearing <laughs> two you. parts in my brain. And I have two different answers, but I want to make sure that I'm, I'm doing it the right no, way. I got you. I got you. So I'll ask it again. Um, how do we go about that? How do we, how do people 
that are in supporters groups or in front offices go about making their organization or group a safe space and also breaking down barriers of gatekeeping for black people and people of color to feel safe within. Put black and brown bodies up front. Um, I wish it could be a much more complicated answer, uh, but that's literally it. Um, You know, if you're about it, be about it and show it. Don't say you're here from minority people and, you know, don't be performative. Don't like hip hop when it's convenient for you and, and show off a black artist because of whatever. Like do it consistently. Do it all the time. Hire these people. Hire black IT people, creative designers, media experts because they exist and they're all over the place. Um Show show these people, put them in the forefront. That is definitely how you're going to stop that, uh, at least from the front office perspective. Um, Supporters groups. (sighs) That's a bit of a bigger one because that's definitely more on an individual level. And obviously, you know, nobody's getting paid to be there. You know, you're you're volunteering to be there. So a lot of the conversations is different. you have to sit here and look at your board and look at your members and say, is this a reflection of the city? Is this a reflection of the team? Is this a reflection of who we are as individuals? Um, not just based off of you know what you bring to the table, but your your group of people. Is everybody a little bit you know above the age of 40 and 15? Not saying 40 and 50 and 60 year olds can't get down in soccer, but just like with baseball, people are starting to age out you're not bringing in new fans, you're not bringing in new bodies, and you can't be mad when when nobody shows up because you're constantly, you look old, <laughs> you know? Or, you know, the same thing of you all look white. There's nothing wrong with looking white, but there's something wrong when everybody looks white. There's nothing wrong with looking all Latino, but they're like, well, just be inclusive. What does that really look like? You know, and show a reflection. Latinos, you have Afro-Latinos, you have, you know, Spanish Latinos. Show the whole spectrum. Asians, show the whole spectrum of Asia, from India to Thailand to Korea to Japan. Show show the whole dysphoria, I guess, would be the, the right way to describe it. And that would definitely help. Take a look at yourself in a mirror as a supporters group. Look at your board, look at your members and go, you know, is this what we really look like? And a lot of times they they are quite quite surprised. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, by the way, you're doing an amazing job. Uh, <laughs> before we wrap up, I want to ask you uh, just two things. Um, what are your final thoughts on this? And can you give me um, a quote of yours on gatekeeping? Okay. Well, what are my final thoughts on it? Um, just like with anything, when it comes to media consumption, entertainment consumption, uh, white men should really get over themselves. Um, there are minority voices and people at the table now. And we're going to make media and participate in conversations. We're going to sit at the table. We're going to have these 
these talks. And if that makes you uncomfortable, you really need to do some self-reflection because we're not here to, to just make a blonde white man be the hero or be the leader. That's not all that exists in anybody's, you know, vicinity. Your neighbor could be Hispanic. Your neighbor could be Asian. And the world is trying to be reflective of that. And I haven't even gotten into queer people or the LGBTQ community. Society is starting to reflect in its media and its its supporters, um, fans, yeah, starting to reflect what we really look like as a group, as a society. And this need to just hold on to it is so archaic and barbaric. And yes, that makes you a racist. My quote is going to be for people out here who are afraid, who are hesitating, who go, oh, I don't know enough about this, that, and the other, so I can't join. Sit at that table. Sit at that table because somebody will be willing to help you. Somebody will be willing to inform you, to tell you, to guide you, and you will have a good time. It's better to take that risk than to not participate at all. So sit at that table, tear down those walls, and don't worry about it. All right.